This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. If you missed it, click here to watch my 100K subscriber video. If you fall asleep in one of these houses, you won't be waking up. This world is a strange one. Halloween is almost upon us, and nothing says Halloween better than haunted houses. And I'm not talking about the awkwardly scary fake ones that pop up out of nowhere this time of year. No, I'm talking about the real-life portals to hell that you take the chance of entering anytime you walk into an old home. You won't know it's haunted until it's too late. So, here are five real haunted house horror stories. Also, this background footage was provided by Emily's Designs. If you need footage for your channel or project, check out her YouTube channel for free stock footage. Now, don't lock the door, or you might have to break a window to escape. Number one, I cannot be alone after dark. Submitted by Mr. J. Rosewolf. As I write this, before I start, I have to make sure that my wife, dog, and one of my best friends are in the same room as me, and the lights are on. Even so, I still look cautiously towards the mirrors and windows of our small home in fear of what I'm going to relive as I write this. Some background first. I am a 23-year-old transgender male, and to keep everyone's privacy, I will be changing their names. For the sake of this story, I'll call myself Rose. I have always been sensitive to the paranormal, even as a young child. Here is an example. A year after my mother left my father, I was about a year and a half old, and we were living in a place called Farmersville, California. My mother would wake up every night to me screaming like someone was shaking me, only to later find out that right where my room was, they found the skeleton of a toddler crammed into an old orange crate while they were tearing out the old orange groves to make the apartments. I have many other stories, but this will be one I'll be going into depth with. It is the one which haunts my nightmare still. My mother has been married three times. My father, who ended up being an alcoholic, was her first marriage, and my sister's father was the second. And for future reference, this takes place during my mother's second marriage to a bastard that I am calling Nick. Now, as seeing where he grew up, I can understand slightly why he was such an abusive waste of human life, along with his messed up mother, but I digress. It was around 2001 when my sister was born, I was around eight years old. Her father wanted to be closer to our family in LA, but he didn't want to shell out any money for the apartment, so we ended up moving in with his parents. His mother did not like me at all, but his father was very kind. Sadly though, there was a language barrier as they spoke Spanish and we spoke English. I was a quiet, shy kid who went out of my way to keep out of trouble, so there was no real reason for the hostility. His mother thought it would be detrimental to my mother's marriage to let me sleep with her in the bed so I was banished to the small couch in the living room. I hated this house with a passion. It was long and raised up off the ground. It looked like it was two stories tall, but there was only one level. It was also 30 yards away from a very active railroad, which operated at all hours of the night and shook the house very hard. The house itself was built oddly to where there were three bedrooms, an office, and one bathroom. My sister's uncle would crash there often, so the third bedroom was reserved for him and his kids only. The odd part was that the front door opened immediately to the office. Then it would go into a long lopsided living room 
where I slept alone on a small couch facing the office, which at the far end was where my sister's grandfather slept at night in a hospital bed. He had a degenerative condition. Next to that would be my sister's grandmother's room and the only way to get to the bathroom. The bathroom was long and narrow in which the door was in the grandmother's room. The shower was by the door. The toilet, sink, and light switch were on the far side. There was another door to the third bathroom, but they had blocked it off. The really weird thing was that there was a latch at the top of the door in my grandmother's bedroom, making the bathroom door able to be locked from the outside. Then past the grandfather was the door to the kitchen and the other two bedrooms. The back door was in my mother's room and led out to a small cement backyard. The fences outside were nine feet tall. I also hated going in that yard. Now that you know the layout of the house, it should be easier to convey this story. We moved in a few weeks before Halloween and all was well. Everyone was civil. It took some getting used to without my mother close by as we had shared a bed my whole life and I would wake up in the middle of the night feeling like someone was in my room. But I would just brush the feeling off. Maybe my mother was just checking in on me. As Halloween approached, it became clear that the grandmother had ill will towards me, constantly nitpicking at everything I did, such as forgetting to make a plate during mealtimes. My mother would have to split her meal with me, much to my grandmother's dismay. She tried everything she could to keep me from my baby sister, even saying that I would hurt her, keeping the other grandkids away from me because I was bad news, because I was not blood-related, or yelling at me for little stuff, like not using the communal spit cup in the bathroom while brushing my teeth and screaming at me when I would not let her keep the door unlocked while I showered. Shunning me for reading books and studying, apparently being literate was not a desired trait. It was like living with a school bully, parading around as a grandmother. She wouldn't do this when my mom was around, but unfortunately my mother worked as a nurse at a hospital a few towns over, so she wasn't home enough. Halloween rolled by, and from one of the huge parties my sister's side of the family throws every year, we got a motion-activated scream prop, which was a head and two hands on strings that would move up and down with the cloak, making a really loud screaming effect with haunted house background noises. Well, this got put up in the office. It had a really weak sensor in which you had to really make yourself look big and walk directly in front of it to set it off. Or so I thought. A week after they put it up, the nightly occurrences started. Around three in the morning, it went off and woke me with a start. I thought it was my mom checking on me. I turned over for a hug when I realized she wasn't there. No one was there, just that cheap Halloween prop going off. This scared me, but I forced myself to go back to sleep, and three hours later, it went off again. Once more, I tried to ignore it and go back to bed. This would happen every night at the same time on the dot. I tried telling my mom, but she wrote it off as a passing train triggering it when the house would shake. Great. As time went on, other stuff started happening. I would see dark figures standing behind me in the mirror, even though when you turn around, no one was there. I could hear scratching on the outside of the walls. The adults just said it was possums. And seeing ghoulish people looking through the windows at night, even though it would be impossible at the height the windows were at. Again, this house was lopsided. It looked two stories, but it wasn't. I tried telling my mom about it, but she just thought it was me having an overactive imagination. It was my first time sleeping alone, so she just assumed it was that. The only comfort for me at the time was Jericho, Nick's big, beautiful German shepherd. He was only around seven years old at the time and was a big ball of love. Unfortunately, the grandmother greatly disliked Jericho and had him locked up in the backyard. At night, if I heard him growling below a specific window, I would know not to look that direction. 
Well, a few months of him living back there, he started getting sick and lethargic. We took him to the vet, but they couldn't figure out why he was acting that way. They just thought he was getting old. And one day, about a month later, we found Jericho dead under one of the living room windows. If that wasn't bad enough, we also found Nick's pet pheasant dead by the same window. It had been ripped out of the cage. A little while after that, he got a chameleon, but a week later, they found it dead in its cage. We all figured that we shouldn't have pets anymore in the house. I started to notice that most of the bedroom windows were covered up with newspapers, which was odd to me. Nick's brother told me that it was to keep the morning light from getting in, but all the bedroom windows were on the west side of the house, meaning the sun would have to set to beam directly inside. Every time I asked about one of these weird things, they would just be very dismissive about it, but I knew they knew more than they were letting on, except of course for my mother, who was as oblivious as me. Seven sleepless months went by, and my mom and Nick were fighting more and more, with every week getting worse than the last, even with the cops getting called at least once every two weeks. Oddly enough, I could actually sleep those nights. Everything came to a terrifying head one night when the grandmother convinced Nick to take my mother out on a date. They wouldn't be back until four in the morning. Around 11 that night, they had left two hours before. I had to go to the restroom, so I walked through the grandmother's room when I noticed the light was off. It was night, so this was not unusual, but I had become very wary of the dark because nothing good ever happened in the dark especially at this weird house. That is why I usually headed to bed right when the sun started to set, if I could help it. But tonight, I wanted to see my mother off on her date, and I watched a Disney movie on TV afterwards, not wanting to go all the way to the other side of the bathroom alone in the dark, just to turn on the light. I decided to hold it in, and I backed up to leave. And that's when I backed up into the grandmother who was standing right behind me. She said some stuff in Spanish, then ended it with a wide grin, saying... That night I learned it meant, are you afraid? Without anyone teaching it to me, I told her I was going to go back to bed, but she shook her head, grabbed me and pushed me into the dark bathroom and shut the door. Then I heard the all too familiar sound telling me she had latched it from the outside. I started crying, banging on the door as hard as I could, screaming for her to let me out. All I could hear was her chuckling softly on the other side of the door, like this amused her in a sick way. It had been about five minutes of me sobbing and screaming bloody murder, and that's when I heard it. It sounded like large dog's nails or claws on the linoleum, along with the weight of something very heavy taking a step on the old floor. I froze, still facing the door. Another few footsteps came closer to me, and a faint growl. <laughs> My heart went into my throat and I couldn't even mutter a sound as I heard this thing teasingly stepping closer to me. By the sound of its growl, it sounded tall. It was close to the ceiling. Tears were streaming down my face, but I could not bring myself to move a muscle. That feeling of dread had filled the air. The temperature was so cold, I could see my short, raspy breaths. Imagine a Dementor from Harry Potter in a bad mood and that's what it felt like. Like all the happiness and hope in the world was gone and in my eight-year-old mind, I was going to die there. It kept coming closer, just taking its sweet time. I could feel its eyes drilling into my back. As it got within a few feet of me, the noises stopped. I waited there for what seemed like an eternity. Then, I felt its burning hot breath on the back of my neck. 
It was grabbing my shoulders with both clawed hands, firmly drawing blood from me as it leaned in and laughed in my ear and in my head with a very deep and gravelly voice. Somehow it both laughed on the outside and whispered incoherent things into my mind. I then heard, somehow only in my head, You belong to me, little Rose. And started laughing again. And that's when I lost it. My body and mind couldn't take it anymore and I... I blacked out. I woke up in a start on the couch as my mom and Nick opened the front door and walked in from their night, still arguing as usual. I started crying as the memories of what happened flooded back into my mind. My mother dropped everything and held me, trying to calm me down, even as tired as she was. Nick demanded that she not coddle me, but she ignored him. She tried to tell me that it was just a nightmare, that it wasn't real, Rose, but I was too hysterical to be reasoned with. I pointed and cried at my grandmother, who had come out to see what the commotion was. I tried to tell them what had happened, but the grandmother acted confused. She said she had no idea what was going on, but I saw in her eyes that she sure as hell knew what the hell was going on. I was too distraught to be left alone again. My mother slept with me on the couch. She even got me an army cot so that I could sleep in her and Nick's bedroom next to my sister's crib. My grandmother threw a fit saying that I would kill my baby sister and that I needed to be sent away, given to some relatives who live in Mexico, or even given up for adoption. My mother did not want to hear any of it and threatened to divorce Nick, which really shut up the grandmother. I didn't sleep for six months unless my mother was next to me until I fell asleep. And six months later, my mother finally packed up my sister and I and left Nick in the middle of the night. A year later, my mother took Nick back for another seven months. This time, we lived with other relatives. Nick's aunt, we'll call her Aunt Yaz, who was one of the only people who stood up for me, along with her two sons, was talking with me one day at her house while she was babysitting me and my sister. When I came clean about the people in the windows at my grandmother's house, she turned pale. Then she told me about when Dave was little, he would run to her house crying that there were strange people he didn't know, levitating and staring at him in his mother's room along with the figures in the mirrors and the windows. They tried to have the house blessed countless times, but just learned to live with it. The grandmother was always a strong and cruel woman, but got much worse when she moved into that house. I never told her about the incident in the bathroom. I told no one until I met my wife. My wife is the only one who knows this story until now, along with the other paranormal run-ins throughout my life. I have anxiety, and I still have nightmares about the events of that house and that horrid woman. Sometimes I'll wake up crying and my wife will have to calm me down. My sister, thank God, has no recollection of these events and neither does my mother. Though my mother does feel so much regret for making me go through all of that, she just thought that I needed a father figure in my life at the time. It's 2016, I'm 23, and I still cannot be alone in the dark or I'll stop having a panic attack. I cannot go to the bathroom by myself after the sun sets and sometimes even during the day. I've had to get an ESA dog to be at the house when I'm alone. No reflective surfaces in the bedroom and the window is covered up. Thanks to my demon ex-grandma. I urge anyone that if you have an experience like this, don't bottle it up. It takes its toll on you, which is why I'm writing this. Seek help from a friend, write it in a forum, do something, and don't be alone. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. 
That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode in Falconer, New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Number 2. The Little Girl Who Wasn't Submitted by Lady Sparrow I lived in a house from hell for four years, from age 11 to almost 16. There was constantly something happening, doors flying open and shut, voices, footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because both my parents worked and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut-level disturbing things, though, was the little girl in my bathroom. Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly since it was right outside my bedroom, I saw a little girl with blonde curled hair and a rose-colored dress. She just stood there, staring. She looked like a photograph from 1905. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there when I opened it. Once I stepped in past her, I couldn't see her anymore, but I could still feel her there. She scared me, but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, it seemed, just like me, but probably forever. As the years went by and the things in the house continued to get worse, she started to seem darker. I began to think that she was not a little girl at all. I knew there was something ugly in this house, and I felt like it was just presenting itself in this sympathetic image. Then I started to think I was completely losing my mind. 
One day, when I was 14, I had a friend from out of town come stay with me for a week. I hadn't told her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't think she'd come over if she knew. Right after she got there, we were sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. About a minute later, she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and she said, So, uh, there's a little girl in your bathroom. I replied nervously, Yeah, she kind of hangs out in there. Blonde hair? She nodded. Yep, curls and a pink dress too. You know, that's not really a little girl, don't you? When she said it, I almost threw up. I was so relieved and terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming. She wouldn't use my bathroom the rest of the week, and I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents, who did not want to believe me. Eventually, we moved out, and I could not have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. Then, when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I'd left in the house. My parents were trying to sell it, but it wouldn't be sold for another five years. The minute we got on the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. When we came around the bend in the long, steep driveway, he went completely white. I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay, so we got to work. After a while, he asked to use the bathroom, and I directed him to mine. Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back. He was gasping for air, and he slammed the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who wasn't really a little girl. All of a sudden, he went dead still, looked me right in the eye, and very solemnly said, She's not happy with you. You left and you weren't supposed to. Immediately, we threw whatever we could grab in two trips in my car. Then we got out of there at top speed. Number three, Filthy Water. Submitted by Weird Works. Before I tell this story, I would like you to know that I am very skeptical when it comes to the interactions of people with demons and the paranormal but I had no idea how these bizarre entities tie into our world. I know this isn't very credible, but how this demon involved itself with me shockingly goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years. I'm not sure how, why, or when this started, but it was pretty subtle when it all began. First, compared to other stories, not many things happened, but weird images at the corner of your eye were common. Some things would go out of place like batteries and keys, and a weird empathetic, tense vibe was around the house. Over time, things did start to change. Our house would have cold spots. People would say they would see faces in reflections with a quick glance and even scratching on the wall. I think I'm the only one in my family who can pick this type of stuff up. I always had a weird, eerie feeling coming from our bathroom, especially the shower. It was as if every time I would take a shower, a weird presence was behind me, as if something was angry, that I wasn't in the shower long enough. The toilet always had low water, as if something was clogging the drain, but then it would flush normally. The sink always had weird hair coming out of it, and it would always back up. Black water would even seep into the sink, and it would take days to go back down the drain. This was really all that happened, until one night when I took a shower. I just got home from helping my friends rearrange furniture in their apartment, so I was pretty worn out. I started to take off my clothing until I stripped down to my bra and underwear, when all of a sudden... I got a bizarre sensation that ice-cold water was being poured down my head, like I could feel the drops running down my hair and felt like it was dripping off of my face. It felt so cold, it felt like I was having a brain freeze. I had a weird feeling that something had its eyes on me, but I couldn't tell from where. However, for some odd reason when I was thinking that, I just stared at the toilet like as if something was going to pop out and scare me. 
When I finally got into the shower, I started to unwind, but when I went to adjust the water, it felt like I started to get incredibly lightheaded, and before I knew it, it felt like something was pushing at my back, and my vision became warped. I guess you could describe the images I was seeing were almost like faces and eyes of ugly, ferocious creatures, which looked like to me were demonic Japanese masks. Then suddenly, my vision went completely white. I blinked a few times and I was temporarily blind. I turned off the water and felt my way out of the shower. I felt for my towel and wiped off my face and miraculously, my vision was restored. I was trying to remain calm because I thought my blood sugar was low or maybe I was dehydrated. So I drank water from the faucet in the sink, but the water surprisingly made me more thirsty. This is when things don't entirely become credible, but are tied with the lore of the creature of this encounter. I was looking in the sink and on the marble, where people spit into the sink and brush their teeth. You know that white crud that's left over from the fluoride in the toothpaste? There was the shape of what looked like a creepy, mutant creature. I pointed at it, and I have no idea why I said this, but I whispered, Laziness. And as soon as I said that, I saw a strange, small handprint, almost like a monkey's paw on the glass with only three fingers. I opened up the door and saw a hideous-looking creature staring right back at me. It had the features of a monkey, a man, a reptile. It looked very weird and frightening. It eventually faded away, and I was left standing there, freaked out. I heard my sister walk downstairs into the kitchen, and I told her everything I had just experienced. When I went upstairs to dry my hair, she was eating a cucumber, which is something that Kappa apparently like. I have concluded that what I saw, or what I'm being haunted by, is a Kappa, a creature of Japanese origin. I haven't experienced anything like that since then, but these are more mischievous than malevolent. The greatest way to defeat them is to make them bow deeply. This haunting is weird and terrifying, to say the least. I just hope this thing goes away. Number four, Lingering Spirits, submitted by Sid Pyre. I thought I would share with you a strange series of events I had some time ago. Here's a bit of background first. I am a 26-year-old female who lives in Southern Montana. I consider myself the odd one in the family, seeing as I have a small ability to feel when something paranormal is happening nearby. Depending on how strong or close the spirit is, the more my body aches. I never told my family about it because they are Christian and Catholic while I am Buddhist. I worried they would think I was either joking or making stuff up. What I experienced happened when I was 22. I had recently moved back to Montana after my mother passed away on Christmas Day of 2011. I had come back for her funeral and to help support my dad after her passing. He had taken it pretty hard. He had not slept in days and had no appetite for about a week. I turned 22 in January and as the end of the month drew closer, my dad seemed to be getting better. Though I felt like it was a bit early, he'd begun dating again. I felt that as long as he was happy, that was all that mattered. Early February, my dad mentioned that he saw a huge windstorm blow away the tarp that covered his little old boat. The next day, he and I found it folded neatly in the coat closet just past the doorway. At first, I thought he had a spare, but he admitted he only had one. He and I suspected my mother's spirit to be behind this, but we weren't certain. Throughout the next several days, one of the kitchen drawers continuously opened without anyone near them. Another time, my then-boyfriend, now fiancé, was visiting. While sitting on the couch with me, he suddenly jumped and spun around, claiming he just saw my mother pass right next to the couch. To this day, he still claims it was my mother he had seen. While these little things were pretty small, I had an experience of my own that terrified me. My parents always had several cats living in the house that slept in my room, so naturally, their litter boxes needed cleaning. 
I attended to them one late night after my dad had gone to bed. When I went towards the garage to dispose of the litter, I felt uneasy. It felt like something was on the other side of the door. But I was an adult. I hadn't felt anything strange in a few years, and I thought I'd grown out of it. But when I opened the door, what I felt made me scared. I tossed the bag in the trash right beside the door, and just as the door was halfway to being closed, I looked up for a few short seconds, and I stood frozen at what I had just seen. There was someone or something very large standing at the front of the garage. It was tall, a little wide, and it had on a very large black cloak with a hood over its head. Its arms were within its sleeves, which looked to be brought together where the hands would be, and it was hunched over a bit. In the hood itself, there was nothing but darkness in it. When the door clicked closed, my body swelled with pain and locked up, teeth clenching and shoulders locked back. Everything hurt and I was shaking. I hadn't felt anything like this before in my life. It took about 10 to 15 minutes for me to be able to move again. I bolted to my bedroom across the house and I was unable to sleep the entire night. When I asked my friends and my fiance about what I'd seen the following day, they all gave me the same answer. I must have stumbled upon a reaper. They told me it would be best to leave the house as it was not a good sign to see one. They said that it was an omen that death would again fall upon that house. I moved out a week later and stayed with a family friend. There had been no deaths in that house since that sighting other than family pets who had grown very old. There had been no strange occurrences since then either. I still don't know if it was a reaper that I saw, but I know I saw something. For all I know, I saw the reaper as it had come for my mother's soul that seemed to have been lingering the past few weeks. I just hope I never see it again. And number five, Null and Void, submitted by Nico. My first experience was when I was about 11 or 12 years old. My mother was a nurse who worked long weekend shifts, so my brother and I would often stay at my grandparents. My grandparents have two guest rooms, one upstairs and the other down. I would sleep downstairs as my brother was too scared at the time to sleep with me. So one night, as I slept downstairs, I'm woken by the sound of mumbling. It's not particularly loud, but it was definitely noticeable. The room was mostly dark. The only light was from the window and the radio alarm clock on the dresser. I was never scared of the dark or monsters under my bed, so I went to see if the radio had turned its alarm on. The alarm clock was silent, but the mumble was still there. I scanned the room for where the noise may be coming from. I was beginning to get nervous, so I quickly turned the lights on, but once they were on, the noise stopped. I stood still for a moment, wondering what the noise must have been. After a moment, I made the decision to go upstairs and sleep on the couch. I gathered a pillow and blanket from the closet and made my way to the main basement area. I was about two steps into the main room when I got this overwhelming feeling of terror. It stopped me cold in my tracks. I could see it. Out of the corner of my eye, a large black mass. It began to mumble something exactly like the mumbling from before. I couldn't understand it, almost like it was speaking in a different language. I was frozen, unable to move, and I was beyond scared. I stood there silent, afraid of what would happen if I moved. I finally built up the courage to make a run for it. I began to count down in my head, five, four, three, two, one. Right before I moved, I noticed the mass was gone. It threw me off. I was so worried about escaping, I wasn't even paying attention to the mass. It wasn't more than a moment later when I felt an ice-cold breath on the back of my neck. My mind began racing, wondering what was going to happen to me. As quick as it came through, it vanished. I didn't tell anyone what happened that night. 
I was too scared to. I swept it under the rug and tried to forget. It wouldn't be until I was 16 when my next experience would occur. This time, I was not alone. I was over at my friend's house at some point in December, shortly after winter break began. I had convinced my mom to let me stay the night with him at his grandmother's, where he lived. We stayed up, doing what most high school teenagers do, play video games. It was about one in the morning. Dominic and I were still playing video games when the power went out. We both assumed that we simply tripped the breaker. Luckily, the breaker box was in the laundry room, which was connected to his bedroom. Dominic went in first. I followed a couple feet behind. We walked up to the breaker box and with our flashlight located the breaker for the basement, bedroom, and laundry room. Dominic flipped the switch, but nothing happened. He did it again, yet still nothing happened. We stood there, continuing to putz with the breakers, when a soft mumble began. Dominic didn't know what it was, but I knew all too well what was happening. I quickly turned to him and said, We need to go now. As soon as I said that, the flashlight turned off. Terror quickly came over us. Neither of us could move. It was far too dark to see, and there were no windows in the laundry room. We could hear soft footsteps. They were coming towards us. As they got closer, they became louder and faster. But soon, they stopped, and the mumbling continued. I still couldn't tell where the mumbling was coming from. It was almost like it was coming from all around us. My eyes began to adjust to the darkness. As that happened, I began to pick out the black mass. It was very hard to see, but I knew it was there, just a few feet in front of us. It stood completely still. I became more frightened, remembering what had happened the last time I had seen it. I began to pray in hopes it would help. Apostles' Creed, Hail Mary, Our Father, and other prayers I learned in Sunday school. I kept saying them as quick as I could. Dominic joined me in the parts that he knew. I am by no means as religious as my family is, but I didn't know what else to do. Soon after the mumbling stopped, and a chilling voice spoke to us. God can't save you here. It began to laugh. <laughs> that laugh still shakes me to the core when I think about it. Tears began to run down my face. I was terrified, and I honestly thought I was going to die. The feeling of pure evil that it emitted was so bad it hurt. Shortly after it spoke, I was hit with a force that felt like a car. It knocked the wind out of me, and I hit the floor, grabbing my stomach and gasping for air. Much like the first time, it vanished quickly. Once the mass was gone, the power came back on. Dominic helped me up, and I caught my breath slowly. And that's when I noticed I had a large red handprint in the center of my chest. I believe it came from when I got the wind knocked out of me. The weird thing is, Dominic had the large handprint on his left shoulder, but he didn't feel a thing, he said. Needless to say, we left the house and slept in my living room with the lights on, and I haven't had an experience since. Billions upon billions of people have lived on this planet and died. Many of those deaths were emotional, passionate, or even bizarre, leading to the hauntings of lands and homes all over the country. There are vengeful spirits among us. You might not have encountered one yet yourself, but you certainly will when it's ready to take its anger out on you. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And if you like Emily's footage, be sure to subscribe to her channel. All of her videos are free to download and use, especially for you aspiring horror narrators. And if you've got a story to tell us, be sure to submit it at darknessprevails.org submit. Thanks. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.